0: Morning, everybody. I think I'm allowed to take this off. Aren't you? Don't you all wish you weren't preaching this morning, or you were? Now, I have so enjoyed over the last few weeks the words that we've had on prayer. Who has? Um, Jed started us off with reminding that we we need to be a praying people. And then Adrian spoke about maintaining intimacy with God, which is surely the starting point with prayer. So when we're filled with him and have a robust love relationship with the Father, we're able then to flow out in love to others. And then Ben spoke a timely word to us about persistence. And God so wanted to get the message through, he sent Bruce to preach the exact same thing the following Sunday night. I thought, God... Are you talking to us or what? Who could forget? Who could forget that? And look, there are many uh, experienced prayers amongst us. And the big thing for us, or for those of us who have been around a while and have prayed for many, many years, is to not give up. Not get discouraged. Not get full of unbelief. And just think, ah, and be weary. I want to talk today... Oh, I missed Steve. Steve inspired us to clean our hearts of anything that would stop God's flow in our lives. And he talked about revival and lovely things like that. And we'll talk a bit more about that this morning. Now, I want to talk about coming to God for us and coming to God for others. Psalm 24.6 said, "'This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob.'" Now, that generation, when that was spoken, was three and a half thousand years ago. It's still the generation. It's still the generation of those who seek him. I remember in 1971, I found that scripture and it was like a burning arrow to my heart. And I thought, I want to be a seeker. I'm going to be a seeker. More than anything else, I want to be a seeker. But what helped me at that time was the fact that I had the privilege of living in a house with an indigenous pastor and his wife, And I would wake most mornings to this man in the front room of the house calling on God, worshipping, praising. In fact, some of the prayer praises that I say today are exactly what I heard there. So they only lasted 52 years. But. When I used to hear this man pray, he would worship and then he would pray for the lost, the broken, his family, the church, politics, m- missions, and he would spend some time at it. But this was a house where there was a culture of prayer because at night I used to get home from work and we'd wash up the dishes after tea and go in and sit in the lounge. And in Colac in Victoria, it's cold seven, at least seven months of the year. So we'd have an open fire and I would sit around, we'd all sit there together and eventually we would pray. Now listening to this man pray, he would pray till heaven came down and then he would pray in tongues and then the spirit of intercession would come on him in tongues and it was like he was punching the heavens to bring to pass God's work on earth. And it would go on and on. he'd sense the spirit and it was like he had had such help from the Holy Ghost. And then it would subside. And then he would laugh and laugh and laugh his head off. And then all of us would be in hysterics laughing at him. He would have the joy of the Lord. A spirit of laughter would come on that guy because he knew that something happened in the spirit. So that was the joy of the first two years as a Christian. And I saw that the Holy Spirit um, helps us and gives us joy in prayer, but it's part of life. It's part of... It's an everyday thing. And I think that God wants us to have a culture of prayer in all our houses. Um, Our kids need to see that the way you resolve things is to go to God then they learn to pray to God and see answers to prayer. This should be normal part of life. But um, I want to have a look at some fundamental basics this morning that we all know, that we all know. The point is, we often don't do what we know. So let's look at coming to God for us and others. Occasionally we find ourselves ho-hum about prayer. Like sometimes it's easy, you know, it flows. Lord, Jesus, I'm in there. And then there are other times when the last thing you want to do is it's like there's a massive barrier. Your soul is in control. And all that's required then is honesty. All you need to do is to come to God and say, Lord, I'm as cold as a fish. I'm as dead as a doornail. I feel like cardboard. The last thing I want to do is pray. Please help me, Spirit of God. Please help me. Please help me. Quicken me. Breathe on me, breath of God. Holy Spirit, revive my heart. Help me to see into the Spirit rather than just be surrounded by the natural. You know, that prayer I've prayed for 52 years and it's the one I've had the answered most. Um, God loves us when we're we're in honesty. The first thing we need to do, no matter how we're feeling, is just be honest with God. He doesn't mind hearing how you think. He doesn't mind hearing how you feel. It's like coming to a doorway and then walking through the doorway. Once you're honest, you've got it off your chest, the help from the Holy Spirit comes. The second point we need when we come to God is wholeheartedness, not religious chanting. Psalm 119, 2 says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies and who seek him with the whole heart. Wholeheartedness in seeking of the Lord results in blessing, answered prayer and a fabulous relationship with your God. Jesus mentions the Pharisees and said, look, they won't get answers because they think because of their many words they're going to be heard. But a childlike wholeheartedness is what pleases God. You know, true prayer is not necessarily for the professionals. I read a book of Watchman Nees many years ago. He wrote it on prayer, and he'd planted a church in China. This before communism. And he was raising up a bunch of elders, and he was teaching them about prayer, biblical prayer. And when they would pray together, everybody was really getting it. He was thrilled. They were getting it. But there was one guy who never got it. He would wander all over the shop. He just and it was so irritating, and everybody was irritated whenever he prayed. But what was more irritating was that he was the one who got his prayers answered. (laughs) So, so I think really we have a whole different gauge for what God will hear and what He won't hear. Um, James five sixteen says the fervent the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Again, a fervent prayer, what you, well, the response from it, you have fulfilled promises and you have joy and you have favour. What's to stop us if you're having joy and favour? Now, the third thing that we need when we come to God is faith and trust. This is the big one. This is the big one. We've been reminded of this in the last two weeks about enduring faith in prayer. In Hebrews 11:9, I'm sure you could all quote it to me, "For without faith it is impossible to please God. for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You will be rewarded. you will be rewarded." Mark 11:24 says, "Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you've received it and it will be yours." Now, the best person I can think of who did that was Abraham. Man, he, he took hold of that thing before he got it. He believed it for decades before it came to pass. What an example. You know, what's interesting when we pray, we have different time spans. Sometimes you pray a prayer in the morning and it's answered by lunch. Sometimes you go to the shops and you ask God for a car park and there it is. Sometimes it might take a couple of weeks before a prayer is answered. Sometimes it's months and then sometimes it's years before stuff happens. The, well, the pastor's wife of, that uh, helped found this church years ago, she had a vision for a prayer house and it took 18 years for that to come to pass. So yes, yeah, sometimes God's in charge of the timing and we have to trust the kind of God he is in those situations. A great example in persistence in prayer is William Wilberforce. Now, most of you have seen the movie um, Amazing Grace. But in actual fact, I just recently read a little biography of his and it was fantastic. It wasn't as uh, smoothed over as the movie. It brought out things that I never knew. And I can't help but say when I read the book, it was like another burning fire came into my heart. And I was so inspired and I wept and wept. Because in the story, it explained how at 25, this young man got saved and decided to go into politics and change the horrible slave trade that was going on between Africa, England, Europe and other places. And 60 to 90,000 Africans were stolen every year and taken to where they didn't want to go. And on their journeys, many of them would get sick and they would be thrown overboard. They were treated like less than human. This had gone on for years, and it was a way of England making money. So it wasn't an easy thing to tackle in Parliament. But after 23 years, this guy, who was persistent in prayer... He raised his kids in the Lord, they went into the ministry. He really prayed and pushed heaven. After 23 years, they made it illegal to steal Africans from Africa. But you know what? This is the movie, it didn't cover it, it got worse. It got worse, I tell you, after 23 years and it got worse, I'd think to myself, I think I might take up painting or something. But this guy persisted. And then After another 24 years of bashing heaven, pushing through, the law got passed that if you got caught stealing um, Africans, you had the death penalty. So after the first law was passed, it exploded underground. Then the second one, when the thought of getting the death penalty, it subdued it somewhat. But then a couple of weeks before uh, William Wilberforce died, he got a message from the parliament to say that every African slave was to be set free immediately. Everyone. Now he could die in peace. He had suffered a lot of physical ailments. But I tell you what, those kind of people who persist, are game changes. They change history. And there's just one. It's not like he built a team. But then there were others in the parliament who gradually began to see his, his view. So these people, because of that persistence, oh, such an exciting thing to have, the billet, that thing that will not give up and will not give up. I will not go, Lord, until you bless me. Another person who I was inspired by in the same little booklet I read was the story of David Livingstone because he was repulsed by the slave trade arrangements and that was, um, I think it had changed by the time he decided to go to Africa and take the light. His desire was to take the light into the darkest parts of Africa. He was there 38 years. He had 38 illnesses. His wife came to visit him and died from a disease. His uh, starved... And he lived on very little. The the Africans loved him. They called him the good one. He gave them ointments. He was a doctor. He was also an explorer. And he loved looking at botanical things. And so he lived those 38 years there. But he was a passionate man of prayer. When he died, the Africans cut his heart out. Because they felt it belonged in Africa. They sent his body back to England. They kept his heart. They loved him. Did you know there were thousands and thousands of converts as a result of that man's ministry? If you looked at him and looked at what was happening around, you would think, for heaven's sake, go home and have a good meal. But somebody bought him food and supplies at one stage and they found him skinny as a rake. But then the guy started to have Christian fellowship with him and they worshiped together and David got even happier and he said you're coming home with me because you need to get over this illness he said no he said i'm excited about what god's doing this is persistence thousands of people came to christ because did you know when they found his body do you know what position he was in he was in prayer he was on his knees so there are people who change history because of persistence. Now, what are the hindrances to our persistence in faith? It's We all know this off by heart. It's what we let in up here. It's what we focus on. If we focus on nothing happening, failures, misery, we mix with people of like misery instead of like faith. And we uh, uh, we don't chew over the word of God and let it strengthen our spirit. We starve our inner man from food and sustenance, things that strengthen our faith, not pull us down to to the level of thinking of this present world. You might have to cut out your amount of the news that you watch because if ever you could disappear down a plug hole, it's watching the news. So... um, Another thing you can do is just forget the promises. Forget what he's done before and don't bring them to mind. Develop a fainting spirit. You know, run away from every tough situation. (laughs) Commiserate with the miserable. Find someone of like doubt. So how do we strengthen our faith in prayer? Look, we all know. Choose your thought life. Think edifying thoughts. Watch what goes in. Negative going in negative comes out. Replace your thoughts with whatever is good, lovely, good report. And for heaven's sake, have spiritual fellowship. I don't mean just having coffee with someone and having a chit chat. I'm talking about spiritual fellowship, where you're communicating about what God's doing and you will light each other's fire to press in and seek the Lord with all our heart. Let us not stay thirsty. We are here to edify and build one another up in the spirit, not to just have chatties. And I love a good chat. But, you know, when you go away from someone and sense something stronger now, when you have conversations with people and you think, wow, I feel different now. So, read missionary stories and look at them. And let the fire of God come into your heart. Meditate on his word day and night. Remember the goodness of God. Focus on what he's done before. Luke twelve twenty eight says, steep yourself in God reality, not your carnal natural reality. The word of faith is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. God wants us to know that no situation that comes your way is too big for him if you believe when you pray. Nothing's too big for him. Now, another really big one after faith is devotion. and Developing intimacy. And I loved when uh, Adrian shared about this a few weeks ago. This is our starting point. We need to build that loving relationship with him and sit on his knee. Anybody else here sat on God's knee? Ask him for your first love back. Coming to God takes devotion. Give him time in the secret place. If we don't have a hidden life, we won't have an outside life that's worth mentioning and it won't bear fruit. God desires your friendship. Look at Job. I love this scripture in Job. God brags to the devil about him. Have you noticed my friend Job? He's totally devoted to me. God loves you to be devoted to Him. You know, Jesus mentioned in a parable that people would knock on the door to come in on that last day, and he would say, "They depart from me, I never knew you." And they'd say, "But we cast out devils, we did this, we were great healing evangelists. we were this." And he said, "Yeah, but there was nothing going between you and me. There was nothing going. There was no love. There was no affection. There was no intimacy, there was no closeness, there wasn't anything happening between you and me. You were all on your own doing that. I've got a testimony now, please bear with me. When I was lying on my back in the hospital, um, I began to watch a video and... You know those videos where it shows these tortured dogs and then they're healed by people? I can't stand to watch them because I can't bear to see the dog or the cat in its initial stages, so I just go past. But this day I saw this dog and I watched it and it had been treated mercilessly, cruelly, viciously. And the dog... I thought it looked like it was demon possessed to be honest if you're not sure about my theology Jesus cast a whole lot of spirits into some piggies remember that so um so this dog would they trapped it in a box you know vicious vicious I thought they're gonna have to put this dog down it looks like it's too dangerous they had it in the box and one of the rescuers had one of those big gloves on you know Puts it into the box, puts it in, puts it in, and the dog goes. Rah, rah, rah. It's full of fear, it's full of resentment, it's full of terror. The guy kept putting his hand in, and the dog had back like this, you know. And then finally, the man touched him under the chin, and the dog was still. Bit, and then he touched him on his nose, and then he touched him on his chin. And then all of a sudden, the camera caught the dog's face. If you could read, have read the dog's face, it was, do you mean to tell me the hell of a life I've lived is all over? Do you mean to tell... And innocence came on this dog's face. Do you know what it did? It shut its eyes and it leaned its head on the man's chest. And honestly, I, I, while I was lying there, I thought, this is a corny story, God, but... I thought, how many times have I sat on your knee and leaned my head on your chest and all my fear, perfect love, casts out all fear and all my fear drained away and all my upsetness and stewedness and all the rest of it drained away. You can't let, rest your head on the heart of the Father without changing. You can't rest your head on his heart and hear his heart beat without getting filled with love and weeping with joy. You can't do that and not suddenly have a heart for all those around you because this is his heart. <clears throat> you can't rest your head on his heart and not start to think about Burkina Faso and um, Ukraine and places like that. You can't not start to think of those who, don't know, those who don't know him. This is the place to start in your prayer life, is to be reassured with a spirit of devotion the th- next thing we need is alignment. Alignment with his word. Obedience is not optional. In John fifteen seven. it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask what you will and it shall be done. So if his word remains in us, we are in alignment with it. We know how to pray. We know what the heart of God is. We know what the will of God is through the word of God. So in 1 Peter 3.7 it says relationships, even between husbands and wives, need to be sorted so prayers are not answered. It also says in James 5.16, it talks about confessing our sins one to another that healing might occur. So diligence in keeping a clean heart is essential for breakthrough, as Steve pointed out a couple of weeks ago. Now I've got a great testimony for you. Um, It came from the Australian newsletter, our prayer newsletter. A year ago in Aracoon, a young man was murdered. Now, there are five different, not tribes, but groups um, in that area amongst the uh, Indigenous people. And usually, if there's a murder, the tribe has a payback system where they complete a murder to that group of people. But at the beginning of last year, something unusual happened. The two, the offended group and the perpetrating group got together, repented, apologised and there was forgiveness. And did you know that the violence in the area just dropped almost immediately? And did you know that slowly over last year, there was a trickling in of people to the church. Now, there's only 1,400 people in Arakoon. And 70 people got baptised in water. While we're meeting here today in Arakoon, there are 1,000 people worshipping the Lord. Now, that's revival. That is revival. I thought you'd like to know that. So exciting, so exciting. I rung... Um, uh, Vilma's daughter, and she told me she'd heard the same thing through another prayer group. She said they'd heard that people were just standing in the streets and worshipping and worshipping and worshipping. So 1,000 out of 1,400 is not bad. So alignment is so important. The next one is dependency on the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.26, we don't know... What we should pray for most of the time, but the Spirit itself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts, he knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, many answers to prayer have occurred as a result of someone punching the heavens in tongues. I know of a man who had an unsaved wife, and he had teenage children, and there was a lot of argy in his house. He was a Christian, so he would go for walks all around the neighbourhood praying in tongues. And when he would come home, things would be different. I don't think we realise the power in tongues. We can get so used to something; it's kind of like an old friend, you know. But we do not realise what a powerful weapon we have been given. I think I've shared this story before, but a pastor in England was so upset with a family in his church, they'd become very difficult to handle, they were spreading trouble, they had argy-bargy between themselves, that he asked Graham Cook, would he have a word for them or do something, and Graham Cook said, look, gather me 100 people from your church and we'll turn up at their house. So 100 people turned up at their house and they welcomed them in. And they began to pray in tongues for one hour, just one hour. The pl- their family were completely delivered. The kids went on in the Lord, passionately seeking after the Lord. Were, and what's more, the neighbours got saved. And there were people who drove past their house who felt that they should go in and ask them about God. I don't think we realise what a weapon we've got. I think we we are a little bit on the slow. We get used to what we get used to. Many answers to prayer have have occurred as a result of punching heaven with tongues. I love our Wednesday nights where a few of us gather, and I mention the word few purposefully. Um, A few of us gather out there on a Wednesday night and... We've had many times where the Spirit of the Lord has taken over us and we've really, really, really prayed in tongues and you just know something's happened. No effort on everybody's part, just a sense of uh, pushing through the supernatural, pushing through any darkness that would be surrounding whatever we're praying for. So coming to God means being honest in your connection with him, being wholehearted having determined persistence faith and it also means having that loving devotion it means being in alignment with your god and it also means using being dependent on the holy spirit when when things when you strike a wall just start to stir in tongues i had the joy of uh, i used to go on a monday night to a church in kalanga where there was a whole bunch of young people who gathered for worship. And it went for an hour and a half. The first half an hour, there was beautiful worship. You had different worship teams from different churches. And a lot of the youngies used to lie on the floor and soak, write in their journals, beautiful, soak and soak. But then after half an hour, they would get up and somebody would inspire them about things for intercession. And so... They would uh, put pictures on the, up on the screen of missionaries, of specific places that needed prayer for whatever reason, Queensland, uh, Morton Bay region. And for half an hour, these kids would press into prayer. And some of them, with the Holy Spirit on them so powerfully, would walk up to the microphone and start to pray, totally endorsed by the Holy Spirit when they prayed. I felt like they presented themselves as a living sacrifice to be used by God. You know, the last half an hour was so alive. I felt God poured out his joy and his love and his strength on that bunch of youngies who presented themselves. So it's not all about us soaking and it's not all about us praying. It's about both. It's about coming to God for us and we sure need that. But coming to God for others all around us. You know, have you thought about praying for all the different needies in Kabulcha, the broken, for missionaries, trouble spots in the world, the backslidden, our leaders, politicians, injustices, other Christians, opportunities for the gospel, unreached people groups in faith. This, all of that, the heart of the father. Oh I don't, think, I don't feel called to that, Gwen. Well, I don't know. If you hang around the Father, you'll get like it. Next thing you do, you'll you'll be praying for Brazil, who they're trying to stop any missionaries from going into Brazil. So you'll be praying for Burkina Faso, where one of our missionaries laid down his life for many years and saw many come to Christ and be filled with the Spirit. And they've just had a massive upheaval and took the the guy out of power. I went there. I saw a church with more than 2,000 people in it. It was so overflowing, there was a screen outside with hundreds of people watching on the screen. Now, this is the country that has now just had a massive insurrection. So, to me, because I've been there, I feel a pull when I hear that news. Sometimes I watch Al Jazeera so I can find out what's happening in the Middle East or in parts of Africa. Why not be a watchman? Why not have your eyes ready to look for something that the Spirit is talking to you to pray about? To stir up your heart, I challenge you to be watchmen, looking for where God may lead you to pray for others, man alive the, our prime minister needs a bit of prayer to that now. he needs prayer. Brian Houston needs prayer, Hillsong needs prayer, Christian schools need prayer. Come on, stir up the gift within you. Why not enjoy look get become part of the team that 's worldwide that 's praying at this time, God is stirring up prayer and intercession like you wouldn't believe. I remember when we first used to pray in uh, Redcliffe when we were first a small church that gathered a bunch of young people. And every time we sat down to pray for years, we couldn't stop praying for China. That was through the 70s. And then in the 80s, we heard there was over 100 million Christians in China. But it wasn't just us. If you went to another prayer meeting somewhere else, people were praying for China. Then I remember a massive prayer surge for North and South um, Ireland because of the IRA and all of that. I bent to Ireland. I smelt a burnt-out cop car from a bomb. Um, So I guess I'm halfway into those places. But... um, There was a massive surge of prayer for that. Then I also remember in the late 80s and early 90s, there was like a worldwide surge for Indonesia. And part of the reason in Australia was we thought they would take over. We thought they'd come down here any day and take over. So that stirred us up into prayer. So, look, sometimes there's a, a, a certain thing God's putting on the heart of many people all around the earth. Be part of it. Put your hand up to be part of what God's doing. It's not all about you and your bubble. It's not about you and just your bunch of friends. He's got a much larger vista. You know, a united cry to God is a very powerful thing. I don't mean just a few prayers here and a few prayers there. I'm talking about when the whole church suddenly shouts to God in prayer and intercession on behalf of something that is placed on their heart. You know, prayer is the church breathing. No prayer, no oxygen. Not much combined prayer means a church with low oxygen levels. Church is the house of prayer for all nations. So if you come to church, expect to get a bit of a heart for the broken in other countries, those who are not as privileged as we. We're just a pack of whinges occasionally. Aussies, we just sort of, nothing's good enough. But I think my thought is is to get all young teenagers and send them to Africa for a month and then they might have a different attitude to the rest of their life. So I'm just wanting to challenge you and encourage us to come together and pray is anybody here got the persistence still to pray through for revival? I want to put oil. I don't see many hands. I don't see many. No, nope, nope, not happy. <laughs> more hands, more hands. <laughs> Anyone here ready to present themselves at some cost for breakthrough in Kabulcha? Anyone ready to pay a price? Yeah, I can see hands going up. Yep, yep, yep. Good on yous. I'll meet you at the prayer meeting. So I'm going to just, let's pray now. Lord, I just thank you because you are that kind, loving father whose chest we can lean on and know what's on your mind. And I thank you for your love and grace toward us. We sang about your goodness and your mercy chasing us today. Lord, we just want to present ourselves as living sacrifices we want to say yes to an increased prayer life, Lord. We want to come up a notch. We want to bring up the levels of prayer in our life to a higher place. But we'll need your help for it. We'll need your spirit. We'll need your quickening. We'll need your anointing for it. And we just acknowledge how, how powerless we are without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for every person in this church today that there'd be a new stirring in their heart to be involved in what God's doing all over the earth. And I pray, Lord, we'd be faithful to you. We would rejoice when things happen because we partook in the prayer. Lord, you are a prayer answering God. You'd put down kings and you lift up kings. Lord, we're, we're not at the mercy of what happens in the natural. We have got God on our side. And we thank you for that, Lord. Amen.